podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run. Yen Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Hello, hello. Welcome to another new Spurs Order podcast. This is me, Xpac, your host for this one. Joined by Yao Scott Hall and Booker T as tops. Firstly, Yao, other than the uh the headache. How's it going? Uh, this team's still got too many of Toby's favourites, so I'm <laughs> vexed. Need to eradicate ourselves of, of such a virus, bruv. I told him, I'll be my brother and have all this, bruv. Oh, gosh, this freaking club's gone. Mid-Charleston. Okay. You've gone heel for a Charleston now as well. This is, yeah. It's just a bad. This shouldn't be news, though, really. This is a shocking season. Listen, how many games we got left? Two games? Yeah. Only two. Only two more games on the contract. That's good, man. The sooner the season's over, honestly, the better, man. How are you, Bukati? Yeah, man. Um, the stench of mediocrity seems to be flooding my timeline, flooding my mind, flooding the WhatsApp group. I'm just... Oh, okay. That, that That's a good starting point, actually. In what sense? <laughs> oh, no. There are many WhatsApp groups that, that I, I get flung from left to right in, bro. Don't worry. Don't worry. NSO. We keep it steady in there. Don't worry about that, brother. Don't worry about that. I, I, Owen, don't let him slide. He's turned full heel. Let, let the crowd know <laughs> that he's turned heel. Yeah. He's finally I do seen see the light. A lot of this uh, on the timeline, um, mostly on the Spurs Twitter feed. Whenever I go on the NSO account, there's just so, so much re, like, reactive takes. There's a lot of uh, new lineups still. Everyone yeah. seems to think we're getting Emirate Laporte in the summer, which is uh, which is interesting. <laughs> you'd be, you'd I, I think dreaming. it's realistic, but um, it's 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 quite you'd low percentage for sure. We for ain't sure. getting We definitely ain't getting We're just obviously if good, you're uh, off the back of the main pod, you would have heard Mr. Tobes himself. I think it was Tobes. I was no, it was Dave. Oh, it's Dave, Dave, yeah. Dave. Um, so just used this. Toes being rep every week, but yeah, Dave uh, held it down for Spurs, covered our recent loss, and that's all there is to it. Um, moving forward to this week, it actually sounds like we've been making a bit of progress with one of what's the most to be a top candidate. Um, he's bald. What are our initial thoughts on? Um, on a slot because I saw I saw a few rumblings about his play style and stuff in the group chat and online and then I saw a few things in the group chat to say oh he's another Scott Mudd, Daniel Levy regen I think because he's um a bald man and I feel good about him joining if he was bald he can come and hold it down for Spurs. I can't relate to myself personally because I caught life but Initial, initial ones, yeah. Um, I need to do a deep dive into uh, tactics, 
and style of play. I haven't watched Feyenoord much this season. They made it to the semi-final of the Europa League, which um, is no no mean feat. And they won there over Dize, um, taking Ajax's uh, stronghold away from them. And they beat Ajax in the season. So, I mean, he's 44. That whole young project manager, kind of, he kind of fits the build. Uh, I wasn't going to say this, but I, I'm here now. So I'm going to say it. Seen some Spurs fans um, saying that the Celtic manager is a better fit. I'm going to say this loud and proud. You Spurs fans that keep angling for managers that are ploughing their tried in uh, the Scottish League, I need you to report to the top of the stairs. And make her way down. Because I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. The Scottish League is not for freaking managers, yeah? It's a freaking work experience league. It's not a league in which you can take guys and think, oh, uh, these guys, you know, they can make it in big leagues. Van Dyke had to go to Southampton and earn a freaking respectable freaking career before he made his move to Liverpool. Nobody took a chance on freaking Van Dyke before he came to the Premier League. He had to go to a lower league team and earn his freaking trade. How dare you? How dare you freaking give us Papadopoulos, or whatever his freaking name is, yeah, as a viable option of a manager that's been ploughing his trade in in the Dutch league? Yeah, he freaking took AZ to the, the Champions League in 1920. And he's got Feyenoord back in the Champions League. I can't remember the last time Feyenoord even looked in the Champions League. Honest lot wasn't top of my list. I'll be honest with everyone. My original list was uh, Marcelo Gallardo. Uh, but clearly we don't like Argentines no more. Don't know when that happened. I believe he can freaking allude to all of that. We don't like Germans either. Because clearly... Uh, we got we we fobbed off uh, Nagelsmann, and uh, you know the only options we have is Enrique, Slot, and uh, an overconfident Ryan Mason. I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. Ryan Mason has every right to throw his name in the hat. That's fine. Be confident. Uh, but Ryan, you've had 13 games in charge over two and a half seasons due to situations outside of your remit. And in all 13 games, honest to God, with my hand on my heart, I think you're shit. So I don't know where this confidence has come from. Yeah, dial it down or freaking earn your respect elsewhere because you definitely do not need to be the main manager of Tottenham Hotspurs, especially moving forward. Go freaking to the championship, plow your trade with the Derby or whoever is there. Earn your stripes there and then come back to us in about 15 years. Not now. I'm not trying to hear, oh, I'm confident. I'm ready. I'm ready for what? Shut up, you piece of shit. Freaking go earn your badges first before you can freaking come talk to us. In fact, I'll be happy for Mason to have the job if he finds out who beat up Dyer's brother. When he finds that out, then he can have the job. Until then, don't bother. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time freaking telling us you're ready because you're not. And that's my peak. Um, if he finds on, Dyer's brother. That on, is... on the manager talk. I can't believe we're gonna give this guy a freaking contract. Has he has he found out who beat up his brother? Yeah, <laughs> like we're giving a contract to a guy that walked. Listen, let's break this down for a quick second. Eric Dyer played 90 minutes of a match, walked over the advertisement bit, and then walked up the stairs to go and confront paying public. 
to who beat up his brother. And to this day, four years later, he still hasn't found the culprits. And we're about to give this guy a contract. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Tottenham Hotspurs. Oh my gosh, we are bad business. Bad, bad business. What kills me is if there is a very, very slight chance that Eric Dyer has seen this clip of you saying several times that he needs to find out who beat his who, who beat up his brother in the crowd. Um yeah, I mean Fair enough. It, it's it, it's crazy that we are offering him a three-year contract. I've gone from defending him earlier on this season off the back of what was a good season from him last year to just being completely off him this. And if we can cash on on him, like in on him this summer, we can't. I'm I'm very very open to that. I just I just don't think we will. Um. I slightly disagree with you on the Mason thing, only because I don't think he's shit. But I also agree with you that he's definitely not ready to take over at Spurs. Am I happy for him to stay on another year or two as a coach to to learn the trade before going out to do his own thing? Yes. Do I think he could be ready to do his own thing even now, perhaps to a team in the championship? Also, yes. Is he ready to take over at Spurs? For me, definitely not. And yeah, um, on slot, I think it was the quarterfinal of the Europa League, which they went out to Jose's Roma. Um, semi final. Was it a semi final? I yeah, thought they, they just literally played the semi final, Roma, yeah, they and just, they, they just beat Leverkusen. Them. Oh, so no, it, yeah, yeah. quarterfinals, my bad. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, they faced each other in the Conference League last year uh, in the final, which Hans yeah. got them to also. Mm-hmm. Again, beaten by Mourinho. So you you missed out on the chance to give props to your boy there, yeah? And I'm, yeah, I'm quite proud of you. I know I was right and Toby was wrong. I'm happy. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I care about in life. Uh, yeah, it's fair. Um, just another slight background thing on him before a deeper dive. See, he took over a dig Hathbacar side who were apparently quite defensive and everyone was saying, don't go there. There's a lot of problems there. They won't be able to play your football. Interesting parallels. Um, since then, he's gone on to improve a range of players in like Coop Miners, Malassia, Sinistera. Um... Amongst others as well, who have since left, he's had to rebuild a squad, go again. He's won the league in the Eredivisie without losing more than one game. Um, I'm sorry if you're hearing interference on the audio. I'm not too sure what that is just yet. I think that might be... It sounds like a crunching sound, but anyway, I'll digress. It's it's impressive. Only losing one game throughout a whole campaign. Tops, what are your thoughts? Um, what are my thoughts on Ole Slot? Um, I spent quite a bit of time uh, this afternoon looking at um, quite a bit of his background. Um, I used to listen to a few podcasts. Um, watched a couple of YouTube videos and look at what um i don't really know where i stand um to be honest with you this whole manager search um has left me largely unenthused uh, by the way that we do things um, so yeah stop 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 i think your your mic is um going crazy i'm gonna take over what might be mine is I'll have to edit this bit out of the actual audio I think but um I, I, I think my I, audio yeah. is coming through his is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> if it's you're familiar with Daleks from the from Doctor Who um it wow. might be a little reset thing so is my 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 audio is okay now, isn't it? Okay, Your audio is cool. fine. Yeah, Tops's Tops's bike is under oral. I 
and the police are <laughs> under our. Now the police are after him. He has been tapped up. This is insane. That's a yeah reasonable explanation. Top, so you under investigation or you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm oh, good. Can oh, you hear me? My God, it's like night and day. Hello. All good. All good. Sorry. All good. I'm. Not, I'm absolutely. I'm not. Thing. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure why that was happening. But um, yeah. You've been tapped up. Um. Like yeah. Generally, I've just. Ge- generally, I've just been unenthused by the whole process. Um, the way that we've managed this whole situation, the time we've we've been with our manager, um, even this. Even the use of uh, Mason, to be honest with you, who I think is um, wholly un—he's um, definitely not the a person that is uh, qualified, uh, totally unqualified for this kind of role. Um, and to be honest, um, you know, for me, Nagelsmann really was kind of what I was looking for, um, just because of how radical I think it could be for us. But. Um, if we're, look, if we're looking at the names of the managers that are remaining, um, it does seem that he seems to be uh, someone who has somewhat of the uh, right um, the right kind of manager for us to take on. Um, a number of people have mentioned him as being someone who could definitely um, take on a project. Um, he definitely seemed to do that at AZ Alkmaar, uh, whereby he was able to get their their highest winning percentage in their history, um, and, and after which he was sacked uh, because of his, um, you know, having communications with Feyenoord, and uh, Feyenoord have, have honestly come on leaps and bounds um, with what is largely a, a youngish squad. Um, he's managed to unify them, uh, get them playing a brand of football that is uh, not only that that they've bought into, but has actually got them to a largely successful position uh, in Europe and um, in Eredivisie. Um, I actually spent like an, about 45 minutes watching the video of um, every single goal that they scored. And um, it was quite interesting um, just because lots of different types of goals were scored. Um, lots of different players scored. Um, lots of different areas where uh, the ball originated before they scored as well. Um like I said, I'm not particularly enthused just because, uh, as I mentioned in the group, there's a couple of things that I've, I'm a little bit wary of. I don't think Dutch managers necessarily always translate particularly well in our league. Um, our league is so fast-paced and physical. Um, and I think probably in terms of style of football, our league is probably more most close to the French sort of um, Uber Eats league. But, uh, you know... Um, he could be someone that could possibly change that. Uh, I've not been particularly impressed when I've watched the couple of uh, Europa League and Conference League games uh, against Roma. I felt that it was very difficult. Um, One of the things I picked up on was that it was heavily, very difficult for him to break down uh, what was a Jose deep block. Um, And, you know, being the kind of team that we are in the Premier League, I feel like there's going to be a number of teams, or there's a, actually there's a majority of teams who who kind of set set up to play like that against Tottenham, and I think um, there has to be something definitely more progressive. Uh, having done a bit more research, um, it also feels like to me as well that they he likes to use a system that involves uh, fullbacks and um, lots of crossing. Lots of crossings. So whilst it, I think it could benefit someone like Kane, um, it could feel maybe at some points very spam heavy if uh, it doesn't pay off. Um, one thing I do like about his style is that um, he does seem to get uh, numbers uh, in the attacking third and in midfield, whereby he uh, creates lots of overloads, um, opening up large spaces in the midfield. Uh, for players to fill, which I think is quite good um, because I think we should be playing in a way that's completely opposite to how we how we are now. Um, I'm a little bit worried about his clout. 
having been having only been a manager for three years um this if he came to Tottenham next season this would be his fourth year in management um and sometimes it's difficult even to be able to manage big big players uh, against big 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 coaches that you haven't necessarily done so in the past um so that does worry me a little bit um another positive is that like you said Owen um, his ability to bring through young players. Um, he's not afraid to give them a chance, which I've always been an advocate for. Um, and then one thing I've also read about him is that he's extremely good at man management. Um, and I feel that's kind of important. We need to have a manager, I think, that's not only a coach, but someone um, who wants to unite the players, get them all thinking the same way. Uh, and once they get them thinking on the same path, get the fans on board. Uh, because I think once you do that, the job becomes a bit a bit easier, um, and I feel that we're we're quite fractured um, as a club. I think as a team as well, um, lots of deep rooted problems. Uh, I don't think he's going. Personally, I think he would be a great short term manager in terms of getting us on the right, on the right path. I still feel like even though we have lots of good pieces, in my opinion, in the squad, we're still very fractured, and there's lots to do in terms of the squad, but. I think we need to walk before we can run as a football club and as a team. Um, and maybe he could be the person to uh, to get us on that on that road. Cool. It was interesting. I've got a slight question for you to ask because I myself I didn't come across this video. So where you know you noticed there was a lot of crossing, which is what I've read to be true as well. It does like to be quite cross heavy against like deeper blocks. Did mm-hmm. you notice the theme in the way they cross? Are they like more kind of back post, high crosses, low crosses, or was it just a variety of all of them, did you feel? No, it was really a, a, a variety. They they do this thing where um, a lot of the interchange in, in midfield results in uh, one of the inside forwards, which I'm guessing would be someone similar to like a Sun or a Kulisevsky, uh, getting into that sort of uh, final third sort of channel and they would either be able to deliver a a cross on the ground uh, into the six-yard box, across to the edge of the six-yard box, or floated cross either to the back post or to the centre of the box. So I think this is something like someone like Kane would really benefit from, I think. Um, and I think as well, we're already very fortunate in that that we have um, like really, really good crosses in Poro and uh, potentially Udoji when he comes. But I also kind of feel that um, you need to be able to get yourself in these areas to be able to get these crosses. And I think that's that's a, that's an issue in itself. Um, one of the issues, we've not really been able to create anything particularly positive in our attacking phases. Um, so watching a lot of how they were able to do that, you know, it's very difficult to judge. Um, the Eredivisie is quite a mixed league. Um, there's probably like a handful of teams that are of real sort of good level, uh, but they did seem to put away lots of teams particularly particularly easily through creating chances in this manner. And also a heavy, heavy amount of like wonder strikes, uh, long range shots, um, players of like very good technical ability, being able to strike the ball extremely well. Which is funny because I often find long range shots are like a low XG kind of, um, they're like a low XG kind of effort. But it, he honestly, like you, you wouldn't believe it, the amount of goals they scored from range last season is, I mean, this season, it's kind of incredible. We ain't got but, shooters like that. Hope you shooters yeah, but, Bruv. yeah, please. One thing as yeah. well, like I was always, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, and actually, this is probably my biggest concern. My biggest concern is he is very, very much heavy as a, f- a back four manager. Um, he will operate in a way whereby he will sometimes even have two centre-backs, two midfielders, and almost five or six attackers in front of them. Like I said, I mentioned like a heavy overload. And one thing I'm kind of worried about is how is he going to be able to translate those uh, that that squad, which is largely set up to play in a back five and into a back four. I can see how he, he, he could do it um, by using the fullbacks as almost as like wide wingers, pushing Kulu, Sun infield and having the double pivot support. 
But then one of the biggest issues he also has as well is that we don't have a functioning left centre-back um, who basically is not only a, a very good at coming into the field, but also um, very adept at long passes. One thing also he really needs to have is a very good functioning kicking goalkeeper, um, which we don't currently possess. But in the market for hopefully, as is for a left centre-back or centre-back. Yeah, um, I'm encouraged. I'm not overly enthused. I'm encouraged. Um, I do like his proactivity when it comes to using positional play to create these overloads. I think he wouldn't be married to just one set of build-up play. Like I hear he's very keen on using like or building with like a three two five and then kind of go from there with not so much inverted um fullbacks but more splitting the the midfield pivots. He likes the midfielders who are playing the pivot role to be moving around a lot, which is gonna be um a big thing for our current midfielders to pick up. Um Obviously, he'll probably be better at rotating a midfield than a certain wig man was. Um, my my slight concern with him translating his football from the Dutch league is eased by the fact he's done well in Europe the past two seasons. Um, with like that that squad on paper is far weaker than Romans if we're being real, but it was still a competitive game, and there was a thing about. They they conceded quite a lot of XG and I watched a fair bit of both the legs in the tiny Europa League this season and a lot of those chances came obviously in the in the second leg and then in extra time where initially at the start of extra time Feyenoord had the better chances weren't able to put them away and then Roma were more clinical and then when Feyenoord went to chase the game they obviously gave away a lot of chances which is where I feel Obviously, most of the expected goals against them came from. But, I mean, yeah, it it was a competitive tie and there would obviously be beating teams who were better than them on paper on the way to going out to Jose Mourinho's Roma as well. So, yeah, I'm encouraged in that sense. But, yeah, Yao, are you, uh, are you more sold on him now? Nope. Not cool. sold on him. Not sold on anything. To do Levy or Spurs, not sold on anybody that have lost their hair before twenty seven. Listen, it's a, it's a sour day for me. It's a sour day for me. Uh, it was a lot of things were on the plate for Spurs, and instead of finishing their their dinner, they threw it in the bin. And uh, you know, Arnie oh, Slot. It's looking like the front runner. Um, Eric Dyer is about to get a new contract. Harry Kane's had a stink of a season, but scored twenty-seven goals. Hugo Lloris is still drunk, and uh, a certain person's Viking has revealed himself to be a steward. There's nothing to be positive about moving forward. <laughs> like as it stands right now. I am that emoji of the guy of that character sitting in the room with a wooden chair and fire all around me. There's nothing to be positive about. It's it's mayhem right now, and ah, I'm just. It's I, funny I, I, where you've been. I'd say you've been pretty consistent on your energy towards Hoybjerg. I think a lot, <laughs> I think pretty much most of their fan base have gone the same way as you at this point. It took them long enough. Um, a lot of people obviously had uh, rose-tinted glasses on. Um, I saw it. I'll be honest with you. I saw it from like... I saw it from last season, but really and truly, week four of this season. Uh, I can't remember which home game it was. I'm in the stadium. I'm watching the game. I'm like, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He does nothing. <laughs> like he legitimately does nothing worth of any plaudits in that midfield. And I was like, he's being carried. 
And the only way you can really see if somebody's being carried is if you put somebody beside him that can't carry him. And long and behold, Skip has come into the team, can't carry Hoberg, and it's shown its rear, rear end. I need Hoiberg to not, I don't need him to even be sold. I need him to be sent down to the under 18s and never thought of ever again. I need his career to be diminished. Um, and I need, I need Toby to come on this stream and apologize to every single Spurs fan worldwide because he, he unfortunately, um, desecrated our ears with such nicknames as my Viking. And we're yet to see this Viking conquer anyone. Uh, and Toby has inadvertently ruined Spurs. I didn't want to go down this road, but I have to. He has inadvertently ruined Spurs because he gave us this horrible Danish pastry. He gave us a pigeon uh, that has yet to evolve. And uh, his manager has had a nervous breakdown. Uh, just, it's just one failure after another. So, um, me personally, I hope Spurs have learned from their lessons to never, and I mean the words never, never purchase a player that Tobias it has to be a player he doesn't respect because they seem to be flourishing um and i don't want him to sit around and tell people oh he he likes kane because the moment he says that out loud kane won't score a goal for another six months so let's hope that we um do some good business in the summer because we we all know that dyer is about to get a new contract and that's our left-sided center back by the way people it's going to be Destiny's Child, Eric Dyer, Romero, Emerson. We are going to be in a relegation battle. I think Emerson could actually play a prominent role next season. Like I heard... Um, I agree. Our resident... Um, another one of our resident tacticians in Booker and Tops describing... Um, what I've seen with what he'd like to do with his wing backs as well. And I, I just keep on thinking to myself and I see I see some of these lineups online as well for for next season and a lot of people are putting um Idogi and Poro together. And I I I I don't know if that'll work. I can probably see him either using a combination of Poro and Davis. So one of them tucks into help us build as a like with a three the other one bombs on or he uses um udogi and emerson um i think the weaker crosses would be i guess the the latter combination but when it comes to general build-up player i think um a balance of emerson tucking in to make it a three in build-up with um Udogi bombing on probably seems like a more I guess progressive option, but who knows? Who knows? Toss what are your um thoughts on how we can I guess line up next season and I guess just how many players does he need realistically? I mean, because you gotta take into account how many players he's probably gonna get. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it's an interesting one um, because uh, obviously after his time at AZ Alkmaar, um, interestingly, it was Frank Arneson, uh, who's the director of football there at Feyenoord, who actually brought um, Slot to uh, Feyenoord, um, getting rid of Dirk Kaut. And um, at the time, I think he made it very clear to him you know, that he wasn't going to have much money to spend. Um, he was going to have to use the squad and the academy. And where they could, they were able to make some signings, not big money signings, but some signings to improve the team. Um, 
and he's managed to get them, you know, pretty much within two years playing the right way. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, where I would have like kind of worries about um, the technical deficiencies in the team, if you were to use a manager like, say, Luis Enrique or actually Ten Hag, um, had he come to Spurs, I kind of feel like um, he's the kind of manager that will work with what he's got um, and make small changes here and there um, to improve players. You know, there's some players which uh, have have actually changed positions under him. Um, there's some players which weren't even in around the first team that he's given opportunities to, like young academy guys that have come through. There's guys who have honestly like somewhat failed in other leagues. Uh, and he's revived them, uh, even from the Premier League, and they've become like big sort of uh, players in the final team that won the league this year. So I feel like, annoyingly, um, he's the kind of manager that I think someone like Daniel Levy would like. Um, I'm not going to say he's a yes man, but he's you're not going to get too much trouble for him. He's going to want to just come in and get on with his job with whatever he's given. Um I kind of feel this is where clout makes a bit more of a difference because at a, at a club of Spurs' stature with the money that Spurs can spend, um, the decisions that he makes are nine times out of ten more final than anything. Um, and you can't really turn back from some of, this, some of these decisions, uh, be it coaching decisions, be it player recruitment decisions, um, selection decisions. So I think it's going to be really important to see when he has a lot of those players back from loan, I think those nine players back from loan and then some players um, who obviously probably won't return, i.e. Larice, Lucas and whoever. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he thinks is necessary to get the team playing the way um, he does. I think he will be somewhat impressed with, I think, the base technical level with players like Kulusevski, uh, Ben uh Bentenkur when he returns, Bisuma, Poro, Kane, Son, Kulusevsky, like these are the kind of players I think that you can build a base off. Um, but there's going to be a lot of players that he's going to have to really take a look at to see if they can fill in roles that um, that he needs. Like what, like for instance, if we're talking about just just off the bat, just a double pivot. Like you said, he requires a double pivot to be extremely mobile. Uh, one of the big things um, for final have seen in the time that he's taken the team is that they have gone from like the eighth fittest team and the team that have run uh, X amount of uh, kilometres in a game to being the fittest team in the league and the team that tends to run the most throughout the league. So automatically, uh, like we all, like we've seen in the past at Spurs, there's been obviously issues with player fitness. There's been issues with players obviously playing too much. Um, there's even been issues with players honestly being able to last like, you know, 90 minutes. Um, so I think it's going to be very important that he gauges the kind of players he has and those who, who can even do a job. I've even read somewhere of him implementing such things like after games to prevent sort of players being injured or uh, too much fatigue on their muscles after training. They will only play specifically small-sided games uh, with limited touches to reduce the amount of uh, muscle wear and tear. So all these different things are kind of things you would think, okay, um, he's thinking about uh, the player welfare, but also um, how it benefits them. I like that. And it could actually benefit us a lot and us a lot, a lot if we don't end up playing any form of European football next year. I, I, I'm still not sure if I would really care too much if we were in the Conference League next year. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Papa Blankson kind of puts across a question here, um, which I don't mind answering. So he does struggle against low blocks. Would you think that's a personal thing or patterns of personnel thing or patterns of play? Now, I would say... Uh, one of, um, I guess, in my opinion, Spurs' biggest problems are is not what to do when you get into the final third as much as it is building up from the back to actually get there in the first place. So I think our bigger struggles come from being able to build 
from even if it was just building from the back or even more direct, just being able to actually reach the opponent's penalty box and sustain pressure. Um, we we just don't know how to do that and we don't know how to control games. If Onslaught sets us up to be able to sustain pressure and control and control most games, I think if you put our attackers in the right positions, more often than not, they'll, they'll know how to attack. Like, you can coach more nuanced attacking patterns to help, I guess. I feel like it helps weaker attackers more and you don't need it as much. Generally, if you've got one of the best strikers in the world or two of the best strikers in the world in, in Kane and Son, okay, as long as you're getting them in the right positions often enough, I think we'll score, we'll be able to score goals. Like I don't think scoring goals is our problem. It's just generally being able to control games, but I don't know what you guys thought. We got uh, two unmuted mics. There we go. Ask that question again. So it's essentially, do you think it's going to be a worry against low blocks if we don't have nuanced attacking patterns of play? Or is it more of like a personnel thing with what Feyenoord have got? It's more a personnel thing. There's We're not breaking no lines with... No, let me correct myself. We're not breaking no low block with the likes of um, Hoiberg, uh, Skip, who are currently our, our fittest um, midfielders right now. Basuma um, is not really known for for that side of his game. He can do it, but he's not really known for that. And we don't have the runners, or should I say the movement up top, to shift the back line, to create spaces for the passers to make those threaded passes, to break those um, low blocks. So it's definitely going to come down to a personnel. We can't go into this new season with just the majority of our midfield line as the starting lineup. We just can't. It's a risk that when we we cannot take, we actually cannot take. Um, one personnel, maybe two personnel coming in, linking up with the likes of Basuma, um or Benton Cole when he comes back off injury, that could work for us um, for the meantime. But uh, definitely in the the future, we or the foreseeable future, if we're going into this next season with Hoibier as our starting midfielder, um, as far as I'm concerned, go find a new team to support. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Papa Blankson brings a, a good segue as well, so I was going to move on to to tops. So it seems kind of semi-inevitable that he'd look to bring uh, Kochu with him, mm-hmm. who, 22 years old, can play as an 8 or a 10. Seems mm-hmm. like he's very technical, he's very active, can be creative. What did you make of... Um, him in watching a few bits of final he's lively um he's lively he looks like to me to be a running eight um i would say he's an upgrade on hoiberg but he's probably more like in his playing style to bentenko um so if you're going to compare those two i think bentenko is better than him um he does seem to be highly rated just starting to come into the turkish team um and he's obviously taken on the maturity as the captain of Feyenoord this season. Um, very adept uh, set-piece taker, very good at long-range shots. I haven't seen really much of his passing range, but one thing I did often find that when I was watching a lot of their uh, attacking phases and a lot of their goals was he was always finding himself uh, popping up in attacking sort of areas, especially um, in that area just outside of the box. Um, be it for a final pass or for for a final shot, um, it, it it appears that he's a big player um, in this uh, Feyenoord side, and um, you know there's lots of uh, talk at the moment about him possibly being someone who would come along with um, Arne Slot if he was to come to Spurs. 
Um, I personally can't say that I've seen like a massive amount of him. Um, and in the games that I watched, uh, especially uh, this season um, in the Europa League, I can't say that he's been specifically um, clear-cut, but I'd obviously have to watch a bit more of, of him. Um, but, you know, in terms of, like, uh, personnel, I just think uh, we, are, we are such a poor level in terms of our base technical level. Um, and honestly, there's like two or three players that if they were to come into the team or two or three players that were to leave, it would make such a difference um, to just how we look as a team in possession. Um, that's been one of my biggest issues is that in these last two, three years under Jose, under Conte, in possession, everything seems to be in bloody transition. I'm so, I'm so bored of it because when you're in transition, you're running more. You're defending more, you're chasing more. It's taking way more energy than you need to be. And you're doing stuff that you're not naturally inclined to want to do. You're having to defend and having to create in a way that you don't normally. Whereas if you're confident and positive and attacking, you're doing something that comes more naturally to you and you're exerting energy when you require to, as opposed to it being a mandatory thing in, in, in your game. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if we can implement a style that will get, one, the attacking players playing well. Because one thing I like about his style is that whilst he has the overloads, it does get the attacking players in attacking areas and it allows for them to attack the box, to attack the goal, to attack to attack the six yard area in ways that they can all have different, you know, all have different um how can I put it? Uh, different means to be able to affect the game. So if you have someone like Kane who has the ability to be in and around the box, you have someone like Son, who is someone that can give you channels. You have someone like uh, Kulusevski, who's like a one-on-one sort of uh, style player. These are the kind of different profiles in attacks that I think Arne Schlott kind of likes. So I think it can trans it can translate nicely. But one of the big things that I think you said as well, which I absolutely agree with, is that our biggest issue isn't really scoring. Our issue is actually progressing it to those attackers. And that's why I think we fall down in our in our base technical level at the moment. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I think Kochi will come in and he would immediately raise that bar. Um, I think his positional play would be really good. I think he'd get close to all of Kane, Kulizewski and some, maybe even Richie when he plays. And it would just be a question of what he does when he gets in those positions. Can he be a good chance creator? Will that translate well? into the Premier League if he does join? Or can he at least put like players in good positions to create chances for others as like a deeper-ish playmaker? Um, yeah. I mean, again, as well, he's also 22. And uh, like any transfer, it's literally luck of the draw. Um, he could land and kill it, or he could land and it could be way too much. It's It's all very difficult to to really judge. But um, from what I've seen of him in Eredivisie and Europa League, I mean, he looks to be a good prospect. Exactly that. It's just a question of as well, how much final would charge for him, considering we're taking their manager and Manchester United have done their very best to inflate the the Eredivisie market as much as possible. So Mm -hmm. without Man United, it would probably have cost like 20, 25 mil with this whole new inflation could probably be 35 40 if not more so uh yeah that would be one, something to look out for and one thing as well I, I mentioned in the group as well is that like you know if we're doing it in terms of like um standpoints or like uh benchmarks skip is also 22 uh and skip has actually played i think like 50 odd more professional games than this, uh, than this Kotku guy uh, has played in his career. So it's interesting to see how we look at someone like Skip, having only really played a, a full year in the in the Championship and a fractured sort of season in the Premier League this season. Whereas someone like uh, this Kotku guy, who has basically been a key cog as a 22 year old in that final team that finished in the, in the top five last year. And then and uh, Europa Conference League final, and then this season won a title, which he was captain 
of and went to a uh, Europa League quarterfinal. So, yeah, yeah, interesting young leadership qualities being shown from several players. Kotchu captain, and then you got Skip, who's apparently going to be part of the player committee going into next season. Um, I've just been told that Scott Hall yeah needs to bounce. So thank you for joining us in this pod. So you've been lovely waging war on Tobes as usual. Yeah, for I'm those like... that don't get to see the group chat as well, by the way, it is constant in there. Like yeah, I'd I'd just genuinely like constant. Let people know, you know, that it's it's all it's all love for the for the Tottenham brothers, but um yeah, moving forward, the club needs to make sure that we don't hire nobody that tops rates. Because um like Tolls right now, he's in the mud. Yeah, all his favorites stink. Like they really stink. Like they smell of bad, bad onion odor. So hear what I'm saying. Uh let's get rid of Hoybjerg. Uh Kane had a bad season despite his amount of goals. And Richardson performed better than Kudusesi. Peace. I'm out. Peace, peace, peace. Um Lucas Moore is leaving and he released a nice emotional video before uh, you move. I do not care. <laughs> Bless him. Um grateful for his time and his love for Spurs, but yeah, it's, it, it was time I, I, a couple of years. I don't know, ago. man. Like <laughs> I just think this discourse is hilarious. I mean, like, I mean, we're talking about okay, you know, I think it's so funny that you get players like Milner and Firmino as decorated players who have won things at their clubs, uh, and obviously as they become somewhat, as well, as yeah. as they become bit part bit part players, you can see that obviously their input has massively been required um, in the team. And I'm looking at Lucas, and Lucas literally gave us a hat trick in the semi final, um, a hat trick against what was it Huddersfield or Rover or God knows who. Um, and I really can't say much more. I mean, I, it's an odd one. I, I can't believe I can't believe we're still talking about a player who's still here in 2023. I, I know it sounds terrible, um, and you know it's nice to have players who care about the club, but it almost feels like it's been too long for him now. I, I need him gone. Um, it's taken up not only wage space but also space for like key young players to be given the opportunities, uh, minutes that I think. Uh, he benefits from not having. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's been a very kind of rapid decline for Mora since Pochettino left. He had a decent-ish spell under Mourinho's kind of like first initial period and was useful in Europe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the decline, like his minutes to effectiveness ratio has been way in the just, negative for a good while now, uh, and especially this season from Everton and Liverpool away. Yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. it's the time. Um, like Hugo as well, I just kind of just want to just say a nice little nod, just like, okay, the time has come, goodbye. I'm not going to like slander you now. I know you're leaving kind of thing, but it is, it is definitely time. Absolutely, absolutely. Hugo, um, fantastic goalkeeper for the majority of his time. Um, literally, linchpin in that season, um, the COVID season, he was excellent. Um, massive, massive props to him for his time. But this season, I suppose, better last season as well, it's just fallen off a cliff uh, to the point where it's like disastrously bad, um, where I don't feel confident of him catching a football no. <laughs> well he's not going to be playing for the rest of the season either through um, injury um, I'm still not sure if I would even keep Fraser Foster on this year uh, next year as well sorry you know like I think I posed a question to you about two weeks ago and it was almost like yeah definitely definitely and I'm thinking to myself okay I've got concerns over his shot stopping quite a lot <laughs> and then um yeah, that free kick you can see against Aston Villa, I was a bit like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I know you'd be like, second choice next year in that, but I mean, uh, that that doesn't encourage me at all. Um, 
but at the same time, you've got one of our homegrown spots, which we desperately need. So, yeah, if you're going to be replaced, yeah. it's, it's got to be a homegrown keeper. I, I don't know who we'd get. Um, other than, well, Jordan Pickford, maybe, but I, I'm not keen. So, no, that brother's, that brother's hands are too small, man, please. <laughs> this is what I mean. Well, his arms, T-Rex. Yeah. Oh, we got a game on the weekend. Um yeah. No need for a score prediction, but again, there's like, like I'll do it like slight prediction myself, where as I just want to see something, I guess, experimented with in midfield. Like I need to see either Basuma or Saar start the game. I know realistically it's probably not going to be Saar, so I'm just gonna hope he gets 20 minutes. Maybe I just cannot see. Like, Hoybiak has been bad. We know this, but for the managers in Conte and Mason to keep on playing him for 90 minutes definitely doesn't help. And that's on them as much as it is Hoybiak that you can just watch these performances and still not something <laughs> off. So, um, I do not know what this man has on these coaches. I do not know. To, to constantly be given a starting position, constantly be given 90 minutes. It's baffling. Um, and somehow, under every coach, um, this guy gets minutes. It's, it's an absolute... Brentford, other than that? It's an absolute enigma. Uh, uh, I, I'd like to see Basuma start. Um, I'd like to see Basuma start... <laughs> Um, I quite like how we've used Poro um, in that sort of wide, sort of right uh, area. Um, he is useful as a as an attacking outlet. I mean, that is what he literally trained us as as a, as a pro, as as a right winger. Um, I think um, having Emerson as a right back, you know, <laughs> hilariously negates how bad he is defensively, which is fine. Um, I think Richarlison, Richarlison should just pack it in this season. Um, I'd like to see Kulusevski start at the weekend. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, mentally, I think I've given up in this season for a little while now. Um, and honestly, I, I don't want us to lose. But honestly, that, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't win any of our last two games. Um I feel like confidence is like at an all-time low. Uh, last week's performance against Villa in the first half was honestly apoplectic. Um, Sun's continuous running offside was completely egregious. Um, and Kane managed to bag himself another useless goal in a weirdly wonderful striking season. I mean, it's, it's something... There's something so odd about how the season has petered out again in my lifetime. Uh, but yeah, I've mentally checked out. Uh, there's nothing that I can really sit here and say that's that positive, um, even if we won. Yeah, yeah I loved I don't know if you saw, but I loved that analysis. They, it, It's quite rare that I'll even praise a bit of analysis on match of that day, but I loved what could have been seen as a biased piece by Ian Wright and his son, Sean, mm-hmm. um, on Tottenham players' runs. I mean, one or two of them were on Kane for not releasing it quick enough, but just a sheer lack of just bending your run from Richarlison, <laughs> you know? especially Son. They were just like, why are you running like in just straight lines? It's, <laughs> straight it was just, lines. Like, they I were mean... just like, why are they actually doing that? Like, the line is that high. There's minimal pressure on the ball. Why are you like getting that excited for? I mean, boy, it's if, odd. It's if they odd. had played like that against us this time last year, that would have probably been five or six, as it was when we actually did play them around that time last year and we won like four, was it four nil or four one? Something like that. It was very naive, but they, they got the reward and you know, they dared to do, I guess. I mean, um, you know, yeah, even I, with I, this. Sorry, no, sorry. 
I was just gonna say, like, I, I don't know what we'll just do against Brentford. Like, I'm not wanting a win, I'm not expecting a win, but at the same time, they don't have Ivan Tony anymore for a good few months now. He's got to serve serve his ban. Um yep. yeah, fair punishment. But I mean we all know he did that, but yeah, the punishments for racism need to be <laughs> met to that high accordingly like i saw was it john terry getting banned for not even half as long as what ivan tony is i know some of the some of the things he did for the betting thing was pretty much match fixing it was quite bad but yeah that the punishment not fitting the crime for me if you've got if you've got punishments for racism not even getting up to half that yeah. Yeah, but that. yeah, you know, like yeah, you, you know where the FA stand and this stuff. Um I think it's a bit obvious. Um how differential uh one violation is looked at in terms of um how it's penalized to another. But that's probably for another conversation. Um Brentford have had a good season. I mean, like, you know, as as it goes, uh they've managed to grind out results, they've managed to get a player like Tony to score 20 league goals, which is honestly incredible. Um, you know, they have lots of really good talented players in Norgard. Um, I think Pinnock has been really good this season. Um, I think Embremo is a great player. Um, they've got, you know, lots of good pieces. Um, and I don't think they're going to have any reason um, to play under any sort of stress at Tottenham. Uh, this weekend uh, in the early kickoff, I just yeah, I'm mentally out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it's a game of no pressure for both sides, really. So yeah, yeah, last home game of the season. I wouldn't mind them just putting in like a good progressive-ish performance. Also, I won't be going to the game, but it would be just nice. It would be nice. What's on the good what's note. so what, what's so frustrating about this is that like you know. The tea, the season slowly petered out, and what's so annoying is that as a football club, we do not really know which direction we'll be moving into um, in terms of our playing style, in terms of personnel, um, and we're really going into a summer of unknowns, which I think um, for fans is not great because you know they're being asked to renew and all these different things are happening. Um, lots of players uh, with their deals up in the air, Kane. Luis, um, Daya, Sanchez, like it, it just feels again like, and I hate to keep going on about this, but it's just gross negligence from the top-down management. Um, you know that we're going into a period of having more than forty odd days with no with no head coach, um, no idea in terms of what we're doing with regards to um, sporting director. Although these different names have been bandied around, uh, no manager like it. It's just, uh, it just feels like, you know, it feels like a circus. And to be honest with you, when you go into the off-season, you want that to be your period of stability. You want that to be a period where your team can almost refresh, rebalance, like reset, and you can make sure that you're on the right pages to be able to start making the movements for player personnel or coaching methods. But we're going to go into the end of the season and a large portion of that is going to be eaten, eaten up by the fact that we don't have a manager. That manager has to come in and then has and then maybe a sporting director has to come in, followed by lots of players as you hit the end of June. Their players now going into like a year left on their contract and all these lone players coming back in. And then there isn't one major or one unified direction. And, you know, the old saying, you know, too many cooks spools the broth. Like you're going to have lots of different people saying lots of different things, even before we've actually got a manager in. So it's just, I don't think it bodes well. I don't think it bodes well. It never bodes well. I'd rather, I'd rather feel more comfortable as pathetic as the season has ended. I'd be, I'd feel more comfortable knowing that come June 30 or July 1st, there's a manager who's going to be getting things ready for the new season in six weeks time. He's going to be looking at the players he has, thinking about the players he wants, thinking about the style of play he wants, how he's going to get everything set up. 
And I just feel that like as this as the season gets closer and closer to the end of it, it could arguably get more and more chaotic as the summer goes. Yeah, exactly. I was going to touch upon some of the sporting director rumours as well. Like there's um, talk of there being a standout candidate, which is unnamed. There's talk of a Marcus Crosh coming to the club, who's uh, currently at Frankfurt, done some good work there and at Leipzig. Um, my preference is him over someone who's previously been at Roma. But mm-hmm. who knows who will hire? Who knows who will hire? I um, heard that we were even looking at someone who's currently at Barcelona, where yeah, it's it's a red flag for me when you've got someone coming from that football operation, probably more corrupt than than Paratici, to be fair. So we'll see. Uh, but no, thank you, Tops, and thank you to Yao, who left earlier for, for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you, Papa Blankson, again in the comments. Um, yeah, that was our Anschlott podcast. Hopefully he doesn't get any slander names straight away if he does join, because there's quite an easy one there to make. But yeah, until <laughs> uh, until next week when we record. Uh, Peace out. On debut, Tungay on Dombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.